WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 1st. Your forecast now from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, warm, high 81. Tonight, overnight, clear. Low 63, and then uh, tomorrow is summer like sunshine, hot, high 88. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 54 clear up in Sleepy Hollow in Westchester, 50 and clear in Franklin Lakes down in New Jersey. And it is 57. There's some fog in the air here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up to the 6 o'clock hour. Sid and friends in the morning, your resident uh, newscaster, me, Noam Layden. You can call me Hero Noam Laden if you'd like to this morning. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. It was unbelievable. Maybe Union City should throw a parade for me. I'm walking my pooch, my lovely dog, Bailey, through Union City yesterday. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking down this street, uh, Palisade Avenue, this Doberman Pinscher comes racing by me and not attached to anything, no leash, nothing, nothing, just races by me. And I have that moment of... Ooh, well, that's a little odd. A dog not on a leash, especially a Doberman, which can be a little intimidating. And then about 16 seconds later, I would say, this woman comes racing by me and she asked me if I've seen a Doberman. And I said, yes, I had 16 seconds earlier. She asked me which way it went. And I pointed in the direction where it went. And she was frantic, trying to find the dog. Somehow it gotten off the leash. And then, about another 16 seconds later, that same Doberman pincher comes racing towards me again. So I'm like, huh, all right. She didn't say anything about it being unfriendly. Dobermans can sometimes, you know, be attack dogs, but I'm going to hope that's not the case here. And the dog stops to sniff my dog, as some dogs often do. And I grab the Doberman by the collar, and she didn't seem to resist at all. And then another 16 seconds later, there are a lot of 16 seconds here, the woman comes racing up and she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you caught my dog. It got off the leash. We were coming out of the dog park. I mean, she thanked me up and down. She wanted to buy me something from the bakery across the street. I said, no, me just being a hero is enough. So anyway, she got her Doberman. And uh, today uh, they'll be throwing a ticker tape parade for me in Union City. All right, let's get into the headlines. Let's get into the headlines. There we go. All right, Congress passes a deal on the debt debate. A Queens man says he shot and killed a mugger in self-defense. The migrants keep coming as the city tries to find room for them. A book ban debate heats up in Connecticut. And some Syrian immigrants show how hard work pays off. All right, let's get into it. 503, big night down in D.C. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy applauding the House's passage of a bipartisan debt ceiling bill. Tonight, we all made history because this is the biggest cut and savings this Congress has ever voted for. 
And it's not that we're just voting for it. This is going to be law. McCarthy says he feels lawmakers did a pretty dang good thing. Those are his words for Americans. The Fiscal Responsibility Act would suspend the nation's debt ceiling for two years. White House confident now that this debt limit agreement negotiated with Republicans will make it through the Senate. We are proud of this bipartisan, common sense agreement that we believe that should get uh, passed out of the House and the Senate and to the president's desk. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre there says the administration's been whipping up support for the bill among Democrats. We've had conversations with uh, Democratic members across uh, the ideological spectrum to talk about the bill. The bill that passed in the House last night it includes non-defense spending cuts and policy provisions. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer in the Senate now will have to push this bill through there, which they think will not be too difficult. When this agreement reaches the Senate, I'll be proud to support it. Either we proceed quickly and send this bipartisan agreement to the president's desk or the federal government will default for the first time ever. So the deadline to avoid that potential default is just a couple days away. Former President Trump weighing in on all this last night. He says House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and House Republicans should have forced a default on the nation's debt. I would have taken the default if you had to get it right. They got something done. Kevin worked very hard. Everybody worked very hard. I mean, there's a lot of good intention. I would have taken a different stance. Last night, lawmakers voted 314 to 117 on this 99-page measure as the deadline to uh, avoid that default just stays away. It still needs to pass in the Democratic-controlled Senate, which they believe it will, before it heads to President Biden's desk for his signature. 505, let's bring it back home. Uh, charges being filed now against a man accused of shooting an alleged mugger in Queens. This story is going to blow up in the next 24 hours. So let's get the latest details on it now from 77 WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Gnome. Yes, that's right. Police took 65-year-old Charles Foner into custody Wednesday night. Foner, who was, who voluntarily surrendered himself to officers, alleges that 32-year-old Cody Gonzalez approached him with a sharp object and demanded money and cigarettes. And that's when Foner pulled a silver handgun and shot him as many as five times. Vercel Evans, a neighbor, told ABC7 she understands where Foner is coming from. He was protecting himself, so how can I blame him? You know, unfortunately, the guy had to lose his life. I don't wish that on anybody, but this is the circumstances when you you randomly just rob people. You never know what you're going to get. Cops say the shooting happened around 2 a.m. Wednesday in a driveway on 82nd Avenue in Kew Gardens. Uh, another neighbor, Angel Rodriguez, also weighing in on ABC7. If video shows that, you know, he was acting in, in self-defense and the guy was actually trying to harm him, then I believe we should be able to protect ourselves. Cops pronounced Gonzalez dead at the scene. In his right hand, they found a pen, apparently the object he had threatened Foner with. Gonzalez apparently had a lengthy rap sheet and was behaving erratically moments before the incident occurred. Foner, on the other hand, lives with his wife in a building around the corner from the incident where he is well-liked, and reports indicate he has an active NYPD firearms permit. Foner is being charged with second-degree criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of a firearm. An investigation by the DA's office will determine whether or not this case was, or whether or not this was a case of self-defense. It sounds like it is. Now, the, the gun we're saying if they're placing those charges against him, it sounds like the gun, he may have had it illegally. But are they saying that? 
they that's the thing it's that's a little unclear as of right now but i'm sure that will come uh to light soon enough all right well it'll be up to queen's da melinda katz to whether to lay down these charges or more intense charges of course we will follow that story wabc's alex barnard thank you very much 510 uh this is an interesting moment over the uh, south china sea the white house is saying a Chinese fighter jet maneuver was unsafe and unprofessional. The Pentagon releasing this video, it shows a Chinese jet fly directly past the nose of an American plane. They forced that, that RC-135 to go through the, the jet wash uh, of the uh, the Chinese fighter, which just tells you how close it was, several hundred feet. Yeah, it was really close. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby there says the move was dangerous. He says it shows why it's important that the U.S. open some sort of military-to-military channel with the Chinese. It's dangerous. And, um, you know, one of the reasons we want to keep the lines of communication open. Yeah, it seems so like a good idea. We have a way to, to, to talk to the, to the Chinese about incidents like this one that could lead to miscalculation and misunderstanding and maybe getting somebody hurt. Yes, so far the two sides apparently have not spoken about this interaction between those two fighter jets. 5-11, former Vice President Mike Pence going to announce next week he's running for the White House, giving a kickoff speech, releasing a campaign video. This is going to be on June 7th, ahead of what will be a town hall with CNN in Iowa. Pence will, of course, be running against his old boss, Donald Trump, which will make the primaries and the debates awfully interesting, not that they wouldn't be already. The former vice president speaking last night on the future and the nature of conservatism in the U.S. I really do believe uh, that uh, that free enterprise and free market has has created... Uh, the greatest standard of living in the history of the world. He did not give much indication last night how he'll run his campaign against the front runner, his old boss, Donald Trump. Ensuring and preserving limited government uh, is, is an essential element to preserving uh, the free market. Yeah, you, you sort of get the sense these guys are going to have to take off the boxing gloves when it comes to Donald Trump at some point if they want to have any shot of catching him during the primary season. Just a couple weeks after being rained out of a rally in Iowa and Des Moines, former President Trump will return there today. And supporters pretty excited. We love Trump. We love Trump. We love Trump. I guess they love Trump. The former president will speak at a conservative group breakfast this morning. Then he'll appear on a Fox News town hall with Sean Hannity tonight. Trump will return to Iowa again over the weekend. So will Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and a number of the other 2024 Republican presidential candidates. It's for a roast and ride fundraiser at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. That's where you get to see them eat all kinds of strange foods uh, that are handed to them as they walk through the fair. And then former Governor, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, going to launch his campaign next week. Fairleigh Dickinson University political science professor Dan Casino says Christie wants to be the anti-Trump choice for Republicans who want anything but Trump. Where everyone else, from Ron DeSantis on down, has been say, trying to you know tiptoe around Trump Christie's the one saying, I am actually going to take Trump on. I'm going to criticize Trump. And he's hoping that there's a there's a market for that. So the argument here from Chris Christie is he was able to win over Democrats in New Jersey when he ran for a second term. Uh, and that centrist Democrats love him. Chris Christie was very good at 
getting Democrats to vote with him on controversial issues. And that's something that there's not many people in the Republican Party who can say that they've done. So, of course, he ran for office in 2016, then supported Donald Trump. Now he's not a supporter of Donald Trump. Chris Christie was very good at getting Democrats to vote with him on controversial issues. And that's something that there's not many people in the Republican Party who can say that they've done. The scandal involving the closure of an exit onto the George Washington Bridge and a state shutdown, the shutdown of the beaches in the state, at which point former Governor Christie was photographed on the beach. Not sure if those two scandals will mean anything to voters outside of New Jersey, but for sure people in New Jersey remember that. And a new poll of likely Republican presidential primary voters in Florida has Governor Ron DeSantis ahead of Trump by one point in a head-to-head battle for the GOP nomination. This study done, survey by Barry University down in Florida. There's been the chase for endorsements amongst the members of Congress in the Florida legislature. And so as we see how the Republican Party members in Florida are are stacking up behind Trump and DeSantis, it shows that there's not unanimity in Florida. Trump was ahead by double digits in the same survey just a month ago. Shows that he's still popular against Trump in Florida. However, Florida doesn't vote until we're well into the primary calendar. And while it's nice to be popular in Florida, what really matters now is what people think in Iowa and New Hampshire. And ultimately, this is good news for whoever the Republican nominee is. Only 18% of Americans say they're satisfied with the state of the nation right now. That's about half of the historical 35% average. A new Gallup poll shows that the number of Americans saying they're satisfied with the trajectory of the country has been below 20% since March. The poll found that about a third of Democrats are satisfied with the nation's status, but just one in 25 Republicans are happy with how things are going in the country. I'm Mark Mayfield. 515 now. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Thursday. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, Noma Alladin. We're on the diamond here. The Mets once again took care of the Phillies at home in the middle game of their three-game set. 4-1 to one to secure the series win over Philadelphia. Carlos Carrasco showed up in a big way with his six very strong innings on the mound that yielded only one earned run. Mark Canna's two-run shot in the third would provide all the offense the Mets would need. Here's what it sounded like, courtesy of SNY. And Cannon drives one out to left field. Schwarber takes a look, and that ball is out of here. Mark Cannon with his fourth home run of the year puts the Mets on top 2-1. That's so well I'll go for the sweep in Queens this afternoon at 110, tabbing Max Scherzer to go up against Philly's Taiwan Walker. As for the Yankees, they were unable to complete a sweep of their own in Seattle, losing the finale to the Mariners by a measly score of one to nothing in 10 innings. It was Seattle's Cal Rally who played the hero in the 10th with his walk-off RBI single, and the Yanks squander another very productive outing on the bump from Clark Schmidt. The young red-hander continues to try and make up for his early season struggles, making headway last night, allowing just three hits through five and two-thirds innings pitched. After an off day today, the Bombers they get set to spend the weekend in Los Angeles for some interleague play against the Dodgers and looking ahead to the return to the hardwood tonight with Game 1 of the NBA Finals set to get underway in Denver between the Nuggets and Miami Heat. Tip-off scheduled for 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. Here with sports. Who's on, winning that? Do we know? Uh, I mean, the Nuggets are heavily favored. So, really? Okay. Yeah, I think they're like uh, eight-point favorites tonight, something like that. Anywhere between six and a half and eight points. i got to double-check, but... Denver are uh, heavy favorites, but you can't get out the heat. They are um, as hot as uh, they come. That is true. Pun Jimmy... intended, because they're the heat. Uh, oh, I get it. Yeah. You see what I did there? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. 
That's hilarious. Hysterical. Did you hear how yeah. hard I'm laughing? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no. I'm laughing. That's your sports. Thank you very much, Look, Justin. Funny man, Justin. There Howard. he is. Yeah. WABC News Time 520. Let's go out to California. Nine teenagers arrested now for the attack on two Marines in San Clemente, California, over the Memorial Day weekend. Orange County Sheriff's Department announcing the charges yesterday. It ranges from assault and battery all the way up to assault with a deadly weapon. San Clemente Mayor Chris Duncans has five teenagers, four boys and a girl, facing felony charges while four other teachers of uh, teenagers facing lesser charges. The mayor says cameras along the San Clemente Pier helped identify them. They were as many as 30 teens, by the way, involved in the attack that started after the Marines had asked the group to stop shooting off fireworks. That is absolutely unacceptable behavior here in yeah, San Clemente. It's kind of crazy. The San Clemente mayor says uh, he's happy that uh, these four have been arrested. I guess could there be more arrests? You can start to make out some of the faces. It's very close to where this wall is and where those individuals were. Yeah, the surveillance, uh, surveillance cameras catching it all. 521, out to the Windy City. 50 people were shot in Chicago over the holiday weekend. 55-0. 11 who died. Chicago's mayor, Brandon Johnson, speaking publicly for the first time about the violence. Here's what he said. He says the violence this past weekend, listen to what he says, was a manifestation of community disinvestment, poverty, trauma that our city has struggled with far too long. Very intellectual uh, spoke, speak there. Building a safer Chicago means addressing the root causes of crime with a comprehensive and collaborative approach. That means investing in people. Yeah. All right. The mayor's comments come after more than 50 people shot. 11 died. All eyes going to be on the tropics today as it marks the start of the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season. National Hurricane Center director Dr. Michael Brennan says forecasters already monitoring a disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico that has a 20 percent chance of developing. And regardless of, you know, of whether that system develops or not, we are looking at the certainly the potential for heavy rain across much of the Florida peninsula during the next several days. And apparently there are some new tools this year for forecasters to use. Because those things vary in time and space, and especially along the Gulf Coast of Florida, where it's so uh, prone to dangerous storm surge. We're also implementing a new hurricane forecasting system or hurricane modeling system. That's going to introduce a couple of new models that we'll be looking at to improve our track and intensity forecasts. And President Biden encouraging people to be prepared for hurricanes, also wildfires uh, ahead of his trip to Colorado today. Last year, hurricanes and other extreme weather events here in the United States caused over $165 billion in damage. Yeah, in fact, wildfires destroyed almost an area as large as the state of Maryland. A third of Americans over the past two years have been affected by extreme weather conditions. This year alone, wildfires have destroyed an area almost as big as the state of Maryland. Over the past two years... A third of Americans have been personally affected by extreme weather conditions. The president announcing funding through his Investing in America agenda. My Investing in America agenda includes new investments to make our communities stronger, to make our communities more resilient, and we're making the most significant investment ever in combating the climate crisis. 523. A proposed rule would make all new vehicles include automatic emergency brakes going forward. Correspondent Tom Costello has more. The government hopes to save at least 360 lives and 24,000 injuries each year by requiring automatic emergency braking systems in all new cars and light trucks. 
It's going to save lives. Make sure that there won't be that empty chair at the dinner table. That's uh, Polly Trottenberg. She's the Deputy Transportation Secretary. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it would dramatically lower the number of pedestrian crashes and rear-end hits. Pete Buttigieg, the Transportation Secretary, says the move will make a huge impact, like pass innovative additions to vehicles like seatbelts and airbags. 90% of new cars already come with automatic braking that slams on the brakes when a car gets too close. A AAA study found it prevents 85% of rear-end crashes under 30 miles per hour. 524, let's bring it back home. A shooting in East Harlem last night has left a father fighting for his life. Cops unsure who shot the dad of two and why the bullets flew 115th street first avenue this was about 7:15 last night they found a man with a gunshot wound to his head he was rushed to harlem hospital critical condition his victims uh, the victim's brother raced to the scene this is this is heartbreaking to say the least it's heartbreaking to say the least you know he's a father you know he has two young children who you know really need him Police have not made any arrests or released information on a gunman or what the motive might be for the gunfire. Two teenagers shot in Crown Heights, Brooklyn yesterday. This was 10 in the morning. They were not the intended target. At least that's what police are saying. The shoot shooting happened in Crown Heights, 821 Franklin Avenue, about 10 a.m. Outside a subway stop, a 16-year-old girl shot in the right leg, a 17-year-old boy shot in the left arm. I just saw kids, which I thought was firecrackers. That's it. That's it. That's, I thought it was firecrackers. I bend the corner to, to move my car, and that's it. That's a witness who saw the gunmen, two of them, racing away from the scene. Both teenagers taken to Kings County Hospital. Non-life-threatening injuries, thankfully. Those two men fled Eastern Parkway. No arrests made. But you can imagine people in the neighborhood shaken up to see there's been another shooting. I don't have enough time in the day, and they are just shooting up each other yeah. for no reason. Now, one was wearing black clothing, including a black hooded sweatshirt. Police combing through surveillance camera footage today, hoping they'll be able to identify these two dopes. The company manager of the limousine involved in a deadly crash nearly five years ago, upstate New York, sentenced yesterday to five to 15 years in state prison. Families, they did their victim impact statements yesterday. They spoke outside of court as well. He has never in all this time ever said he was sorry. He killed 20 people. Over money? That's just insane. But now he gets to think about that for the next 5 to 15 years. Nalman Hussein, convicted of 20 counts of manslaughter for his role in the October 2018 upstate limo crash. It killed 20 people. Prosecutors say Hussein did not do enough to make sure the limo was safe and the cause of the crash was massive brake failure. We are just getting started on this Thursday morning as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, sit in friends in the morning. Before we head out at six o'clock, we'll tell you about the migrants that keep coming as the city tries to find room for them. 2,000 in the last two weeks. We had been told the number was slowing down. That apparently is not the case. A book ban debate. We've seen these book ban debates across the nation. Now one is heating up big time in Connecticut. We'll tell you where. And some Syrian immigrants who escaped that civil war here to make it to the U.S. had a huge day in New Jersey. We'll tell you about that as well. But first, this at 529. 
The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. More people jumpstart their morning. Listening to number one rated sit in friends in the morning. Weekdays at 6. Brian Kilmeade at 10. 1201. Curtis Lewa. 1. Greg Kelly. 3. Rudy Giuliani. 4. Host Nerdly's Rush Hour. 5. Cats and Cosby. Mark Levin at 6. Bill O'Reilly at 9. Rita Cosby at 10. Dominic Carter at midnight. Then, the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me. 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, June 1st. Look at that. June already. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Warm high 81. Tonight, overnight clear. Low 63. And then Friday, sunshine hot. High 88. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 54 and clear in Sleepy Hollow up in Westchester. 50 clear in in Franklin Lakes in New Jersey. And it is 57 and foggy here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour right here in the city where the migrants keep coming. Several thousand more migrants arriving in the city over the last seven day. In fact, the number City Hall was saying is 2,200 arriving in the last week. That means 72,000 migrants have come here from the U.S.-Mexico border just since last spring. And on top of uh, that, they're trying to figure out where to house these people as they try to figure out where to house the homeless population that they're dealing with every single day. The deputy mayor, Ann Williams-Isom, says it's hard to find housing for everybody. When we came into this administration, I think we were a little over 45,000 people who were in our care. Right now, we are at 95,000 people in our care. That 95,000, of course, including the homeless population, the city finalizing plans, going to send some of these migrants to Buffalo, where the county executive there says they would be welcome. Several buses sent to Albany over the weekend, but some local officials there said, wait a minute before you send more. We need to better coordinate the arrivals. They say they're going to keep taking them, but they say City Hall has not been great about telling them when these migrants are coming and how many. So they say, hold on, we'll take them, but first tell us how many are coming. And uh, the correctional center in Harlem is going to be used as a temporary facility. That correctional facility closed in 2019. City Hall officials are admitting that it is all just completely overwhelming. I can imagine that people are probably used to having months and months in order to plan for something like this. We don't have months and months to plan for it. We currently have close to 750 prospects under review or in the process of being reviewed uh, as we look for other places to put people. We really do need help and should not just be on the shoulders of New York City. That's a lot of places to reach out to to see if they'll take some of these migrants. So far, the city's opened 157 shelters, nine emergency reception areas. More sites are on the way. Governor Hochul has held out the possibility that they could use 1,500 dorm beds at SUNY campuses in Buffalo, Stony Brook on Long Island, and up in Albany. But she says that's only a temporary solution. And, of course, the minute the summer's over, they'd have to move out because students would be moving in. 
Let's go down to Florida, where jury selection officially underway in the trial of the former school resource officer accused of not acting during the 2018 Parkland, Florida massacre. The judge in this case, Martin Fine, going through groups of 50 jurors at a time yesterday. Can you say I have pre-planned travel. Understood. Then can you stay with us? Yes, sir. Welcome, sir. You had lots of people giving excuses of why they could not stay. Uh, Fine was excusing them if they had pre-planned travel. That was okay. Medical procedures, uh, procedures that was okay as well. If the person was a primary caretaker, they were excused from the jury as well. If you work for yourself, if you are self-employed, if you work for commissions, tips, sales, if you don't go to work, you won't get paid. I would consider service on a trial for this length of time to be an economic hardship. I will excuse you based on that. A lot of people are going to be watching this trial closely, so the judge wants to get it right when he puts together this initial jury pool. In grand total of this process, I'm going to talk to 800 citizens. I need 10 people for this jury. That's crazy. All right, 536. Governor Hochul says New York State trying to give working parents a break now. You know, the cost of everything, the scariest day is when those bills arrive and you sit at the table and say, wow. How is this going to add up? The governor now says the state has expanded its child care tax credit to cover families with children who are younger than five. She says people who are enrolled in different forms of public assistance will automatically be granted child care assistance without having to fill out paperwork. We just changed that in our budget. That is going to be a huge benefit for families, especially the 600,000 children who's now covered by this as well. The governor says it's all about giving those parents a break. So you don't have to choose between environmental preservation and economic prosperity. They're intertwined. They're not inconsistent. They're intertwined. WABC News Time 539. Let's go up to Connecticut. The fight over literature making its way to Connecticut as the Newtown Board of Education going to vote tonight on whether to remove two books from the town's high school library. A crowd gathering last night outside the town hall to protest as uh, some parents there say they don't want any book banning in Newtown. This is fascism under no uncertain terms. They're going to vote to ban these books, and that's exactly what it is. No uncertain circumstances, this is a banning of books. The novels in question are the book Flamer by Mike Corrado and Blankets by Craig Thompson. Both are graphic novels that deal with coming-of-age issues, including gender identity and sexuality. Debate, it's been pretty fierce in Newtown, Connecticut. They've had some open hearings where people get to speak out. Here was a parent who said he wants those books taken out of the high school library. I think some of these things in these books are obscene and of a disgusting and pornographic style nature that should not be available to minor children. A lot of ideas being thrown around of how to handle this. Uh, All-out ban is one idea. Another would be school board members would require parental consent before the books could be borrowed. The interesting part of this debate up in Connecticut is it's over these two novels. Flamer has never been checked out of the high school library, and Blankets was only checked out once over the nearly 10 years it's set on bookshelves. The uh, head of the Connecticut Library Association says 38 similar challenges have t- popped up in other Connecticut towns as well. I thought, well, well that will never happen in Newtown because it's Newtown. There's bigger things to worry about. People are very concerned with the welfare of children, and they're not going to be um, blinded by arguments that are um, you know, silly or meaningless. 
and yet here we are in Newtown. So support for the ban has fallen along party lines. Uh, two Republican members yesterday of the board resigned their positions. So it's not clear how that's going to tilt the vote one way or another, but they're going to take this vote on the book ban tonight in Newtown, Connecticut. Let's go down to New Jersey, South Brunswick, a family there woken up by a neighbor and a jogger who were passing by and found their home was on fire early Wednesday morning. Flames coming out, smoke coming out. This 85-year-old, his name is Santo Livio. He said uh, he always wakes up early and did while he was working and was out for an early walk when he went past this house and saw it was on fire. Noticed a puff, which I thought was fog, over the house on the left side. And I looked around and I said, there's no fog. And I noticed a puff, which I thought was fog, over the house on the left side. And I looked around and I said, there's no fog. Yeah. And so he stopped this woman who was jogging and they said, we got to wake these people up. So they jumped into action, banging on doors, trying to wake this family up. We both stopped and she looks and I look. I said, is that a fire coming out of that house? She says, it's smoke. But she says, it's got to be a fire. So she starts to run to the door and starts banging. I run here and I start hitting on the side of the house, the window. I said, I'm going to go back and call 911. Police and fire engines start coming at that at that point the smoke the smoke turned to be a blaze yeah so they really saved the lives of this family a father four kids were inside their mother was not home because she works the overnight shift she didn't even know anything was going on there were no fire alarms going off so not clear if the home did, just did not have smoke detectors the family was sleeping inside had no idea the house was on fire until this uh, man, uh, Santo, and that jogger started banging on the door. It took 50 firefighters from three township departments about 20 minutes to extinguish it at all. And Santo says he's no hero. He's just happy that he was in the right place at the right time. Well, I was happy to do that, only in the sense that we're neighbors. Uh, you know, we all say hello to each other. Good morning. Uh, I wish everybody would do that, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It appears the fire started in the garage, but investigators unclear what, uh, how it started, what sparked that blaze. But good news, everybody there, okay. Stay in New Jersey for a moment. Governor Murphy sharing some of his wisdom with the graduating class at William Patterson University yesterday during his commencement speech. The governor talking about the fact that he worked as a textbook salesman to save up for graduate school and fighting to make it to the top of a firm on Wall Street, which he eventually did 20 years later, Goldman Sachs. So why am I telling you this? My point is that there is rarely a clear path to success. Murphy telling students that failure is likely since it's a part of life, but uh, he said never give up, never walk away from your dream. He says all costs graduates must dig deep to reach their Jersey spirit, he said, and to hold on to their dreams. Failure is a part of life, but if you give up, That means you're walking away from a dream, and you can't do that. At all costs, you have to hold on to your dreams. And yesterday, Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers spotted at practice a week after pulling his calf muscle. muscle rather, Head coach says uh, he hopes Rodgers can make a full return this week. He's fine. Uh, just doing a bunch of rehab. Uh, he'll be limited today. And then uh, just hoping to ease him back in, hopefully full, get him full on uh, Friday uh, for sure next week. Everybody, of course, watching him real closely. Gang Green, hoping this is going to be a big year with Aaron Rodgers. He was seen giving instructions to his teammates in between drills. Also, Rolled, uh, rode a stationary bike, so it looks like he's okay, whatever was going on.
All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk in Justin Ellis. Nothing was going on, Elmer. What do you mean nothing? It's, was the, going be- on? it's the beginning of June. June just started. Yeah, but if he's hurt, he's hurt. I'm supposed to worry about a tweaked calf? Yes, because he's an old guy and he heals slower. I don't know. I feel like like maybe we we can discuss it when it happens in like late August. Okay. Or if he gets like turf toe. But a calf? Well, you know, he's like I said, he's an old guy. He's not throwing. He's not tired of it. Yeah, and he's not thrown with his calf, is he? He's thrown with his arm. This is true. But you need that calf for your stance when you throw. I don't know. You he's, lean back on that right foot before you throw the football? He's dealt with worse. He'll be just fine. Okay. He'll, he'll be suiting up for gangrene. We okay. don't, don't worry. All right. Doctors Ellick and Layden, <laughs> please report to surgery. Yeah. You are yeah. wanted. Uh-huh. <laughs> we need a foam roller <laughs> on floor three. <laughs> the Mets. Over to the Diamond. They once again took care of the Phillies at home, winning the middle game of their three-game set 4-1 to to secure the series win over Philadelphia. Carlos Carrasco showed up in a big way with his six strong, very strong innings on the mound that yielded only one earned run. Mark Canna's two-run shot in the third would provide all the offense the Mets would need. Here's what it sounded like, courtesy of SNY, Gary Cohn. And Canna drives one out to left field. Schwarber takes a look, and that ball is out of here. Marcana with his fourth home run of the year puts the Mets on top two to one. The Mets will go for the sweep in Queens this afternoon at 1.10 p.m. Tabin Max Scherzer to go up against Philly's tough one Walker. As for the Yankees, they're unable to complete a sweep of their own in Seattle, losing the finale to the Mariners by a measly score of one to nothing in ten innings. It was Seattle's Cal Rally who played the hero in the tenth with his walk-off RBI single in the Yanks. Squander another very productive outing on the bump from Clark Schmidt. The young right-hander continues to try and make up for his early season struggles, making headway last night, allowing just three hits through five and two-thirds innings pitched. After an off day today, the Bombers, they get set to spend the weekend out in Los Angeles for some interleague play against the Dodgers and looking ahead to the return to the Hardwood 10 night with Game 1 of the NBA Finals set to get underway in Denver between the Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Tip-off is scheduled for 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Here with sports on 77 WABC. Let's get you up on the biggest stories of the morning. We'll start in D.C. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy applauding the House's passage of a bipartisan debt ceiling bill last night. Tonight we all made history because this is the biggest cut and savings this Congress has ever voted for. And it's not that we're just voting for it. This is going to be law. McCarthy says he feels lawmakers did a pretty dang good thing for Americans. Those are his words. The Fiscal Responsibility Act would suspend the nation's debt ceiling for two years. The White House says it's confident now it will get through the Senate, too. We are proud of this bipartisan, common-sense agreement that we believe that should get uh, passed out of the House and the Senate and to the president's desk. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says they've been whipping up Democratic support in the Senate. We've had conversations with uh, Democratic members across uh, the ideological spectrum to talk about the bill. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, Senate Leader Chuck Schumer, now going to try to push that bill through the Senate. When this agreement reaches the Senate, I'll be proud to support it. Either we proceed quickly and send this bipartisan agreement to the president's desk or the federal government will default for the first time ever. The deadline to avoid that potential default just days away. Yet former President Trump weighing in on this now. Uh, he says House Speaker McCarthy and House Republicans should have forced a default on the nation's debt. I would have taken the default if you had to get it right. They got something done. Kevin worked very hard. Everybody worked very hard. I mean, there was a lot of good intention. 
I would have taken a different stance. Lawmakers voted 314-117 on this 99-page measure last night. As the deadline to avoid the pension default just days away, it needs to pass, of course, the Democratic-controlled Senate before heading to the president's desk for his signature. Let's bring it back here where this story is getting bigger by the hour. Charges being filed against a man accused of shooting an alleged mugger in Queens. This man shot and killed a robber in Jamaica, Queens. This was Wednesday morning. The 65-year-old shot the 32-year-old four or five times in the chest outside uh, 82nd Avenue. It was about 2 in the morning. The 65-year-old telling cops that the alleged robber approached him with a sharp object, demanded money and cigarettes. First responders pronounced this 32-year-old dead at the scene. A pen was discovered in his hand. Now uh, the Queens DA will have to decide what kind of charges, if any, will be filed against the 65-year-old gunman. Every case is complicated, but yes, this is a complicated case, and uh, we're going to review the evidence. So there is surveillance video of this encounter. It shows the 32-year-old man approaching that 65-year-old very aggressively in a driveway. The shooting, unfortunately, happened off camera. Officers recovered the firearm, brought the 65-year-old in for questioning. He has now been charged with criminal possession of a weapon, but that may be the most he gets. Neighbors unsure whether he should be charged at all. I don't think that your go-to should be a form of violence that could be lethal. This is the circumstances when you... You randomly just rob people. You never know what you're going to get. And we've been told this morning the man, the gunman who shot the person who was trying to mug him, did not have a permit for the gun that he used in that shooting. The White House calling a Chinese fighter jet maneuver over the South China Sea unsafe professional. The Pentagon now releasing video shows a Chinese jet fly directly past the nose of an American plane. They forced that. That RC-135 to go through the, the jet wash uh, of the uh, of the Chinese fighter, which just tells you how close it was, several hundred feet. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby there says the move was dangerous. He says it shows why uh, the U.S. needs to open up a channel of communication with the Chinese military so things like this do not happen again. It's dangerous. And um, you know, one of the reasons we want to keep the lines of communication open so that you know, we have a way to... To, to talk to the to the Chinese about incidents like this one that could lead to miscalculation and misunderstanding and maybe getting somebody hurt. And the race for the White House getting a whole lot more crowded, at least on the Republican side. Former Vice President Mike Pence going to announce next week he's running for president, giving a kickoff speech, releasing a campaign video on June 7th, ahead of what will be a town hall on CNN from Iowa. Pence, of course, will be running against his old boss, Donald Trump, in the Republican primary, which will make for even more fireworks than there'll probably already be. The former vice president speaking during a conference last night about uh, being a Republican. I really do believe uh, that, uh, that free enterprise and free market has, has created... Uh, the greatest standard of living in the history of the world. He did not say much about his old boss last night. Ensuring and preserving limited government uh, is is an essential element to preserving uh, the free market. And just a couple weeks after being rained out of a rally in Des Moines, Iowa, former President Trump will be back there. In fact, he'll be back there this morning. Supporters waiting. We love Trump. We love Trump. We love Trump. Yeah, the former president is going to speak at a conservative group breakfast this morning. Then it will appear 
at a Fox News town hall with Sean Hannity tonight. Trump will then return to Iowa again on Saturday, along with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. That's a bunch of Republicans at the Joni Ernst Roast and Ride fundraiser at the Iowa Fairgrounds. And Chris Christie, as we told you yesterday, going to launch his campaign next week as well. Everybody trying to figure out whether he'll make a dent at all. Fairleigh Dickinson University political science professor Dan Casino says Chris Christie wants to be the anti-Trump choice for Republicans who want anything but Trump. Where everyone else, from Ron DeSantis on down, has been st- trying to you know tiptoe around Trump. Christie's the one saying, "I am actually going to take Trump on. I'm going to criticize Trump," and he's hoping that there's a, there's a market for that. And this might be good news for Republican, no matter who wins the nomination ahead of 2024. Only 18 percent of Americans say they're satisfied with the state of the nation right now. That's about half of the historical 35 percent average. A new Gallup poll shows that the number of Americans saying they're satisfied with the trajectory of the country has been below 20 percent since March. The poll found that about a third of Democrats are satisfied with the nation's status, but just one in 25 Republicans are happy with how things are going in the country. I'm Mark Mayfield. And let's go out to the graduation at William Patterson yesterday. Rasha Ahmad and her mother, Stanya Habib, lived in Syria when the war broke out there, the Civil War back in 2011. They were granted asylum here in the U.S. And um, they came here, didn't speak English, did not know anything about America. Well, yesterday, the mom and the daughter graduated from William Patterson University together. The daughter, so well thought of, she was the commencement speaker yesterday. No matter war, any other situation, or any, any other circumstance, circumstances, education comes first. The mom and daughter received bachelor's degrees at the 200th commencement, uh, Ahmed having the honor of serving as the commencement speaker. We had a full-time job. My overall message is uh, hard work and dedication and not wasting the time is very important because education, success, and uh, working hard and putting targets in your, in your, in your mind, this is what... This is what's going to benefit you in your life. Ahmed plans to go back to earn her master's degree while Hajib already has an accounting job lined up now that she's graduated college.